Now there's no music. It's malfunctioning. Hey, Eric, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Adam, how are you doing? Good. Yeah, I said there's going to be some music. Certain episodes, now I'm turning on some music to create the vibe, so we'll be imaginary. But listen, Eric, I'm, uh, I'm beyond excited. You and I today are going to talk about should we advertise to employees? And uh, for the audience, we're deep in season three, the adoption of marketing mindset and employee experience. And I, I got to share this with you all. So I get on these pre-interviews and I do two to four a day at this point. Some of them are with agency folks. Some are with practitioners. And um, I talk about marketing internally. And uh, let's say a third or so are like, yeah, marketing, Adam, you should talk about something else. Okay. And it doesn't go anywhere. And um, probably the other two thirds agree. They've already checked out the podcast. There's some level of alignment. And then there is Eric. Old, not just like agreeing. He goes, ah, marketing to employees? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's nice. What about advertising to employees? And I was like, whoa, deer in the headlights moment. I'm like, you went further, Eric. So I can't wait to dive in. Where I want to begin, though, is to try to understand how did you get to your point of view? And I'm looking, I've got, you know, talking about your background. But Eric, what do you think if you had to pinpoint to few experiences in your life that led you to have the point of view that you currently have on this? I, I think partially it's, you know, you are creative director, director of integrated communications, Pizza Hut, right? You, you're a founder of an agency. What do, what do you think was most impactful experiences? Oh, man. Um, great question. I can point to a lot of things, but I, I think um, there's one story that really kind of sums it up for me. And that was while I was at Pizza Hut. So I was responsible for integrated communications, which included advertising, field marketing, media, digital marketing, social, all, all the things to get all the messages out. And um, at one point we were launching a new product and this was, um, it was flatbreads. And, you know, of course, at Pizza Hut, every new product is the product that's going to completely change the course of history. Uh, and, it, you know, it makes it every product is a really, really big deal. Every launch is huge. And flatbreads was no different. Um, why? Because everyone was eating flatbreads at the time, right? So it was, um, you know, smaller format pizzas, thin crust, a little bit crispy, uh, very much marketed to the millennial specifically the hipster millennial that was going to order these at farm to table restaurants, uh, definitely not Pizza Hut's core target audience, but we made the most of it. We put hundreds of hours, man hours into the campaign to get this thing off the ground, shot a beautiful ad, had a whole campaign behind it. Uh, and then I'll never forget, I was doing a secret shop in a small town in Texas, and I called a, um, a Pizza Hut and said, hey, what's new on your menu? And, you know, this, uh, this woman started rattling off, well, you know, we got this, we got this, we got this. We got these new flatbreads. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Tell me more about that. And she goes, I don't know. I think they're kind of stupid. <laughs> and my, I mean, it's just like my heart sank in my chest because I realized we did a lot of advertising but we failed to advertise to the employees that were right. out there on the front line, pushing the product, promoting the product, getting it into people's hands and mouths. 
and it was such a massive failure that it just course corrected me and it taught me you can't not communicate to those that are are that have signed up to be the media channels for your organization i think that's one of the interesting ways how we see a symptom of a greater problem when i was writing the book the science of story years ago this theme kept coming up how excited organizations are to communicate externally whether it's values and purpose new product they're just like oh my goodness let's go and then internally folks see that for the first time right and they go that's my company that's all bs come on they, we don't live this we don't even know what the crap this crap is this is all intended to sell and manipulate and that is even worse because now there's deep dis- distrust and and that person who said it's stupid, right? She does she doesn't know what this pro, the nuances of why it's exciting, what was the story behind it. It's not her fault. It's the organization's fault. Right. Okay. So I was like, where am I going to go with Eric? Because there's so many places where I could go, and um, we couldn't stop talking in our last session. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to address this differently, and uh, I'm going to think, what would the the audience, the innovators? They're all fighting these internal battles for how to bring the marketing mindset into the organization. Eric, why don't we play this out as I'm the CEO of a company that is going to, you're going to try to convince me. I'm not going to be one of those crazy CEOs, but I'll push the boundaries and we'll start with, you know, why should I advertise to employees? Like you already gave one example, I think was great, but as you communicate to the leadership teams, C-level folks, the boards, where do you begin? And I assume you already have the champion, right? Maybe that, hopefully that is the CHRO who, who agrees because there's someone who brought you into that room. You're not cold. Where do you start the conversation? And let's work our way down to think about it in context of people, process, technology. Sure. Where do you begin yeah. with the CEO? So Adam, CEO, true or false, it's the age of the empowered employee. Do you see that in your organization? Yeah. Okay. What are some signs? Be, I, Talk to me. Impo- well, the, the, they're asking for more direction in their lives. They want to learn. We see that in our surveys. We also see that they're voting with their feet. Retention is now becoming a, a real problem in our organization. So, yeah, we, we, we need to take into account how they think and what they feel. Yeah, and, and Adam, where are they learning that? Where are they learning these habits that they are empowered, that they're starring in their own movies and that they can have whatever they want on their terms, wherever they are? Where are they learning those habits? Man, you're, you're taking me straight down social media rabbit hole, aren't you? Where the experiences outside of work that are all Thanks. rooted in, in the, these digital, amazing, easy, social, c- connected experiences. Absolutely. I want a thing. And as a consumer, I can have that thing. I can have it immediately. I get it on my terms. I don't have to think about it. There's no friction. It literally shows up on my doorstep. And that can, that ranges from a meal to a car. I mean, it's the, it's broad, right? So yet I go to work and there's friction and there are seams and I don't have things on my terms. And there are a lot of employers that are still doing things on the employer's terms. And they're ignoring the fact that we are consumers 
and we're consumers everywhere and we're even consumers on the job. So the, the way that work and life have blended, that's why the employee is so empowered. It's because they're, they're getting told that they're the center of their own solar system everywhere else they operate except for at work. And that's why there's a movement, there's an uprising. So in this movement, your employees are now your brand's best media channel. When you really think about it, if you can equip them to carry the message, well, then they're going to be the strongest voice in a very crowded ecosystem of messaging. So what we say is that in this era, when the empowered employee is in charge, brands have to be magnetic. What that means is you have to celebrate the same thing from the consumer brand and the employer brand, and they have to rally around the same central idea. And that's because you need them singing from the same song sheet. Uh, when they're the brand's best media channel, they need to be coming at it from the same angle as your consumer brand is coming from. So next question for you, Adam, the CEO, Talk to me about your priorities between HR and marketing. Uh, HR, are you going for quantity or quality? Phew. Priorities between HR and marketing. So external versus internal. Yeah. Yeah. Man, right now, all I want to do is solve for retention and, and I want to improve performance. And uh, yeah. I am, I'm pushing my HR team to deliver. Um, what should I do? What is the role between my HRs, my CHRO and my CMO? How do we unify that message internally and externally? And I do know that currently the CHRO takes the, you know, the internal initiative to the CMO and they help with the branding, they help with the visuals. We're already doing that. It's keeping consistent, whether it's a town hall or, or even some of our onboarding and learning and development. So from a visual ID standpoint, we are consistent. Where do we go from here? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So if you're focused on retention, that sounds like a quality thing, right? You're, you're working on the quality of the employee experience. You're working on ways that you can encourage them to vote with their, with their feet, as you said, right? Like, or what we like to refer to that as dating your spouse. You don't stop dating your spouse, right? You have to, like I've, I've, uh, I've been married 17 years and there's a big, big difference between when I tell my wife I'm funny and when I just make a joke and she laughs at it. And that's what employers need to understand is that if you're focused on retention, you can't just talk about all the reasons to stay. You have to work on the actions that lead to the same, right? You have to keep dating your employees. So. Now, on the other end, you look at marketing and let's look at marketing's priorities. What is marketing after? Are they after quantity or quality of customers? It's a good question. There's a balance that comes to mind because I would think if our marketing team is responsible from awareness to, you know, all the way to, to lead generation and ultimately how many leads do they generate for our sales team? Quality leads that are within our you know, qualified, uh, target. Sure. Yeah. Now it's quality leads, but you started that sentence with how many, 
right? So it really right. is a game of numbers. It's the percentage of quality leads is going to be a direct reflection of the total number of leads, mm -hmm. right? So marketing is first and foremost concerned with quantity mm -hmm. and marketing often builds a brand that equips quantity, right? Customer acquisition is their first and foremost responsibility because without that, none of the rest of the funnel even exists. Nope. So let's compare and contrast now when you have a marketing organization that's driven towards quantity, you have an HR organization that's driven towards quality. And those two things are fundamentally at odds with one another because the messaging is different to build quality than it is to build quality or quantity. Hmm. So, so that's where we have a challenge. And the result is often a brand that feels lopsided, right? You have marketing saying, here are all the reasons why you should choose this brand. And then you have HR saying, here are all the reasons why you should stay with this brand. Mm -hmm. And externally, when your employees are your loudest voice, your loudest media channel, well, what are they, which message are they reinforcing at which time? And have you actually equipped them to say the right thing in the right spaces? I'm convinced. I'm con what do I do now? What, what, what happens next? Do I, what, what resources will I need? The, the, for, let's start with back to the big question. What is the state, the, this emerging market that we're talking about? What is the future state in which we improve this world will it be done by HR folks, or the CMO folks, or how do they come together in order to reconcile the quantity on one side, quality on the other side? Yeah, great question. Uh, the best, the best efforts that we've seen at MindHandle really revolve around um, building a team that is independent of both HR and marketing, but is staffed with people from marketing. So that marketing mindset of quantity supporting the HR desires for quality. And that's the, the blend that we see working best. It does take usually a tiger team. And if you have a, a team that's built from the intersection of HR, marketing, and internal comms, that's when large organizations with distributed workforces are going to see the best impact because you're going to have quantity and quality represented. You're going to have the wherewithal to execute that comes from the, the marketing side of the equation. Um, and I should back up for a second because I want to remind the audience that uh, most HR professionals did not get to where they are because they are successful marketing communicators. They are successful communicators, right? Like that just goes without saying. When you're in HR, HR and communications go hand in hand. Um, but most HR professionals have succeeded at communications on a one-to-one -one or one-to-a-few level. Um, very few HR professionals are where they are because of their ability their demonstrated ability to communicate at scale. That's a marketing challenge. Yeah. And, it, and it's also, we can look at it from the external world where there's sales and marketing. It's two motions. You can summarize by saying sales is responsible for the relationship. Marketing was responsible for the message. So when we look at it internally, what, what is the world of HR? 
Well, the world, world of HR has a lot of challenges. You need to be an effective communicator to take on those challenges, whether it's, you know, hiring, firing, compliance, governance. There's just so many really difficult things for a CHRO to take on. And now we're talking about adding an internal marketing function. And, you know, that was very naive uh, last year, Eric, and it wasn't that long ago where I was just like, hey, let's teach HR marketing mindset. And, and now I'm like, whoa, is this as simple as let's teach someone attorney mindset? So now you're an attorney? A mark, <laughs> accounting mindset, so now you're an accountant? So really, by, by saying a marketing mindset is that easily teachable, we're literally discounting the incredible knowledge, experience, skills, all of the things that make marketers great. We're discounting it straight into a mindset. So I don't mean to make this into a therapy session. I, I'm recovering from that, that, that way of thinking, Eric. But uh, Tiger Team, marketing, internal comms, and HR folks. Fascinating. Fascinating. Which HR folks? Who would you have at that table? Would you go through the entire employee experience? Would you say, okay, let's have the talent folks. Let's have the, you know, those are from acquisition to onboarding. Let's have the L&D folks, change management. Who would you have on, or would you pick one to represent all of HR? Does it depend? Just curious. Tell me if I'm getting too in the weeds. No, I'm glad you're asking about this. Um, I can tell you what our best engagements have in common, and that's that uh, L&D is usually represented. Um, and the reason why that's an important factor is because they touch the most um, nodes in the employee experience. So throughout the employee experience, they're considered talent acquisition is on the team, absolutely on the team, because if employer branding is going to be successful, it starts with recruitment. It is a talent acquisition tool, but you use it throughout the employee lifestyle life cycle. Um, and then um, definitely, you know, internal, I'm sorry, HR uh, generalists and or compensation and or benefits teams are important. Their voice is important to the uh, project because um, when you look at a company's EVP, employer value proposition, you want to make sure you're reflecting not only the uh, emotional benefits, but all the tactical benefits as well. So the rational or functional benefits like you know, salary, uh, total rewards, um, you know, health, vision, and so on and so forth, retirement benefits. So um, those voices are pretty important in that type of work. And, and the, this is where things get real by bringing those voices in because you don't want this work to be in the abstract. I just finished a, an episode this morning where we talked about what does it look like to market benefits internally? Not inform. But market, and I know in your words, probably we go further into let's advertise the, the benefits internally, sure. but we'll get there. So we've got them all at the table. So we that's that's a serious team. By the way, would you said Tiger Team. I think that's one way to, to think about it. Do you think they're creating an internal agency? Do you think this is like an internal, and I say the word internal agency just because we, we want to give it a feel of disruption, innovation, thinking outside the box, or am I going too far with that? No, I don't think you're going too far. I think whatever the organization needs to do to communicate, this is important, right? And and it's, you know, agency, when you look at the, the, the definition word, it really boils down to 
a group of people who have the authority to move something forward, right? That's agency. That's the definition of agency. Uh, so it's, you need to define that group as these are people that are, that are going to have effect and they're going to create change. And that's, that's a kind of a disruptive mentality. That's, that's cool. I've never thought about it this way. That's, that's very cool. Uh, okay. So we've brought the internal agency together and, uh, the way that I would think from a process standpoint is we need some KPIs. We need to know if they're going to be successful or not. So now do we bring in the marketing mindset, you know, from a sales, how much revenue do we bring in? But from a marketing, we got a leading indicator. Now, as you said before, in the marketing outside world, it's about quantity. How many leads? Was it 100, 1,000, 10,000? Internally, quality. So now we need to measure quality at the various stages of the employee experience. Do we, retention obviously is the end game, performance potentially end game. How do we think about how many enrolled in learning and development? How many participated with our benefits? Do we start to go employee experience by employee experience to identify KPIs that could be influenced by this internal agency? Yeah, absolutely. And we typically focus on six data points and it really boils down to three categories of types of messaging. Uh, we see messaging at the attraction level, which is basically uh, communications that are designed to get someone to say, I like that. Uh, we look at the adoption level, which is communications designed to get someone to say, I want that, or I want to be a part of that. And then we look at communications that are designed to get people to say, I am that, or I'm like that. And we call that championship. So attraction, adoption, and championship times two, because we do this for the employer brand and we do it for the consumer brand. And we get a read on how they complement each other. Uh, now for us, it's really important that we make this distinction. We're not looking at how well you recruit at the attraction phase, we're looking at how present is the brand in your recruiting communications. So attraction means how strong is the brand when, when, uh, when a candidate interacts with a piece of content, any piece of content in their journey of deciding to join the organization, how present is the brand? And if what we see is you know, tactical benefits that they could get anywhere or um, stock photography, for example. Those are two signs that you're, or, or, or three, the, the two worst words in talent acquisition, now hiring, right? Because it's just wallpaper. It doesn't, it says you're literally hiring anybody. Anyone who can fog a mirror can work for your company. So it's, when we see things like that, we'll score a brand low on employer, I'm, see, I'm sorry, employee attraction, right? Now, if we see an EVP that couldn't possibly be um, duplicated or that a competitor couldn't possibly compete with, um, then we'll score the brand higher at the attraction stage. And that's how we organize what are our priorities? So we look at those six data points and we say, okay, we need to improve on attraction. And so here are the ways that we're going to do that. We're going to uh, install a new paid media campaign where the creative is 
um, dialing up on the emotional quality of working for this organization. Um, or if the challenges are happening at the championship phase, for example, we might say, we need a campaign of employee testimonial videos that are designed to put the spotlight and give a microphone to the people that are the highest performing individuals at the company. And for the company to endorse, this is what success looks like. This is what it looks like when you're firing on all cylinders and how you can really be a champion here. Distilled it down. That's, that's very impressive. Um, and and look, look, how would that work across? So you've got folks in benefits and compensation. You've got folks in L&D and change management. Are there sub points to those three internal, three external? So, uh, you know, meaning like are there additional KPIs that you, that you drill down based on the specifics of each of that employee experience? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, for adoption, for example, we look at... Um, well, attraction, we look at things like time to hire. Um, mm -hmm. and adoption, mm -hmm. we look like we look at um, average tenure or turnover rate. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so there are data points within those three categories that feed the overall score. Got it. And is it co uh, custom for every organization? Do you do you do you decide once you engage, or is it something that you find that's standard across all companies? Meaning the drill down into those three into no it's pretty standard now sometimes you'll have an organization that you know uses the gallup 12 question survey instead of an enps score right but it's mm -hmm. generally what they're measuring is the same thing level of satisfaction and so we could trade out one data point for another uh, but it would have the same aggregate effect got it got it so so now we've got the internal agency We've got data, data on the KPIs. Next would be the process that they would follow. And uh, do they run campaigns? Do you start to think about the funnels? Because you, you know what the KPIs will look like in terms of success. What, what kind of process? And also, I think, based on the process, do they get creative teams involved? It sounds like you do this creative work as a partner for these organizations. It seems like that's a critical piece if they don't have it internally, but talk to me a little bit about the process. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So we typically approach the work in four to four and a half phases. Um, and we, yes, we do, um, we're a communications agency. So we are a creative, uh, creative ad agency. Actually, I, I like to call us a recovering ad agency because we all come from advertising. Uh, but we have got tired of selling Bacardi and Skittles. And so we, we now uh, promote purpose at work. And that's what we're really passionate about. Um, so while we have a creative team just chomping at the bit to make these elements and bring these uh, campaigns to life, um, it is the last phase of the work. And it really starts with a good diagnosis. So all of our work starts with a discovery phase where we're getting to know the brand, we're collecting the data, we're getting smart about the business um, to the point that we can make recommendations in the second phase where that's where we prioritize on that, uh, that tool that I just described, the six data points that's called a magnetic scorecard. Um, in the course of our discovery, one of the things that we're looking for is an EVP and not just the existence of an EVP, but the validation and the alignment of EVP. So if an EVP exists, what we're looking for is, 
is this true? Is this meaningful? Is this important to the uh, employee audience? We're also looking at the effect the consumer brand has on the entire situation. So for example, a consumer brand with relatively low awareness will need to improve the attraction phase of communications to the employee, right? To the candidate. Mm -hmm. So there's a, a balancing act that happens there. Um, after we've confirmed that EVP is spot on and that it's relatively bought in, well, that's when we can start making campaigns. And that's when we can really drill into what is that shared idea? The consumer brand being um, an important part of the equation, we say, well, this is what you're telling customers. Therefore, this is what you should be telling your employees. And um, they're not a mind handle client, but I always point to them as just such a solid example. Uh, what REI did, the opt-out side movement, is such a strong example of a magnetic brand campaign because it was built around the central idea that a life lived outdoors is the best life you can possibly have. Their employees were the ones that had the idea, well, maybe we should just opt outside on Black Friday. And the marketing team said, you know what, that's genius. We're going to shut down our retail locations. And because they did, their online sales shot up 25%. They didn't give up anything. In fact, they gained a lot by doing that. And it's been one of the most successful campaigns in the last decade. So that's what we're looking for at that point. Um, you know, we, uh, we typically find that there's a shortage of emotional content throughout the organization. What we find is that uh, brands are typically communicating with their employees the same way they always have been. Uh, mm -hmm. Memos, town halls, speeches, presentation decks, you know, the occasional email that comes from Workday that's soulless and reminds you to do some transactional thing. And that's where we say, hey, this is an opportunity. Every touch point is an opportunity to remind someone why they're there in the first place. Um, and yeah. that's, so that's what we design our campaigns off of. Lex emotional, you said content. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you said soulless cause I was going to jump in cause it's all boring and sterile. It's uh, one of the guests on the podcast said, you know, no one wants to work at a DMV. I mean, no, there's nothing wrong <laughs> with a DMV, right? But often you feel like, uh, um, you know, you're, you're just a number in the organization. Yeah. Um, very cool. So we talked about people process. Let's make our way into technology. And you know, a little bias or alert, you know, that I technology is the world that I play in. And it's the way I think about it is from data to nudges. And um, I am curious to hear your point of view. And this is how I think about it. But please take it, take it wherever you think makes sense. I think to meet them where they are, we need to understand them. To understand them, we look at data. And data isn't a single source. We can't look at, you know, just your role or just your performance or just this. We need to take a look at that employee experience, be it learning and development. Let's see what interests you have. Did you take other courses? Are you a high performer? When did you start with the organization? So that then we can take that and send you content that's relevant to you. And content has to be short, bite-sized. It has to be where in the channel where you already are. Like personally, it's in Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter. 
at work, it probably should be where work gets done, whether it's Slack or Microsoft Teams. So I'm curious, how do you think about technology? How do you think about the role of data as we, um, as we continue to dive deeper into running ads to employees? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. And I think there's, without technology, there is no ads to employees. There's no, there is no connection point because that's where the work happens, regardless of the type of organization. Uh, you know, even some of the least technology enabled companies still have tools and ways to reach the employees. Uh, but what we often find is that it's less likely that an employee is going to have a shortage of technology tools. It's actually more likely that they're going to be overwhelmed by all the different types of platforms. Totally. And they'll be like, Hey, you know, we get our, get our paychecks through Yazoo mm -hmm. and we get our, our, you know, performance reports through this and that. And we get, you know, and it's like, they can name all yeah. the different tools that they use and it's overwhelming. We've had, uh, in discovery projects with employees, you know, from time to time, actually pretty often to tell us, Hey, if you're working with corporate, will you please tell them for the love of God, put it in one place and leave it there. Hmm. Like communications are so sprawling at this point, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I like to think it's like, um, we're treating technology. Like we've always treated software, like PowerPoint, because it can do the work. We use it to do the work. Right. As opposed to what do I really want to communicate? And therefore, what is the best tactic or tool to communicate that thing? And, I, you know, that can lead to a lot of frustration. But you're absolutely right. When you think about employee engagement, it really boils down to two things. And if you can master those two things, there's a third. What is expected of me? And how am I doing against that expectation? And if we can answer both of those questions, then the third question is great. What's next? Mm -hmm. And that's it. That is employee engagement in a nutshell. And if we can master that, because it really does, it really is simple and it really, it changes by the day, but it's really simple. I didn't say it was easy. I said it was simple. It, it changes by the day. So if, if we can master the communication of, Hey, Adam, this is what you're supposed to be doing and you're doing great. Now let's talk about what's next. That's a really simple way to frame how to keep an employee engaged throughout the life cycle. Very cool. Very cool. Any, in terms of data, and do you, do you think, or do you already, do you look at the different data about the employee in order to be able to meet them where they are, send them the right message, the right time? Yeah, absolutely. And now we do, we do it to a degree and what we, we know there's probably more opportunity to personalize those messages. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's mm -hmm. where, you know, you and your team come in. We typically look at things on a, you know, communication at scale, right? So that the individual can then customize the next steps they take based on Got it. the performance requirements. Got it. I mean, this, again, this is an emerging market. There's going to be insane amount of innovation. You know, one day, you know, 10, 15 years from now, you're going to be on stage and you're going to be like, well, we were one of the first, if not the first ad agency to employees. And there's going to be an audience full of ad agencies to employees. 
right? And all of that is going to be followed by evolution of, you know, internal infrastructure, processes, and, and technologies. And by that point, we're going to see the, the big players in that room as well. We're already collaborating with Microsoft, but it's going to be Mike, everyone in the employees, everyone who touches employee experience, every tech, major technology is going to have a role to play because if it's not holistic, right, you can't have employees have 55 different technologies to use. It's just not going to work. It's not. It's not. I have friends that show me their, you know, their their folders of apps on their phones. They have 16 apps just for work. You know, right. it's and timesheets, paychecks, you know, all of this and that. And by the time you add up everything that equips the employee experience, they're so spread thin. Right. And, and there's no, like, no one is at fault. They just happened to get here. But what's next is going to be that, you know, the, the cleanup of this current state. Um, so, Eric, just zooming out to the emerging market, you, you're, in, you're in discussion with a lot of organizations, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how would you describe the current state? You know, our community is growing, but we're not in tens of, we're not in thousands. We've got hundreds of folks that uh, I have connected with, who send out introductions, who said, hey, you know, this is a small group of those who get it. There are many and most who don't get it. The vast majority does not, by definition. Innovators, there's a 2.5% and then they're early adapters. So how, for, from your view, how would you describe the current state and how would you describe the momentum and, and where is it going? Yeah, good question. I, so... You look at employer branding as a discipline, you know, and that's the, the space that we really operate in. Um, it does affect internal comms and it does affect talent acquisition, but we like to play at the, you know, the branding level. As a discipline, employer branding has really only been around for a couple of decades, right? It's not like this is a, you know, a discipline that's steeped in tradition. Um, the other thing is employer branding really started in the UK and it, you know, gained in popularity and jumped upon pretty recently. So um, the, the interesting thing is that, you know, employer branding was really born out of crisis. It was born, you know, around, um, you know, 2001. And so it's, um, hmm. it saw a pretty decent uh, resurgence during the great resignation, right? That was an effect of the pandemic. Um, and it sees an uptick. Companies communicate their values more often during times of intense or immense cultural change, immense cultural shift. Um, I believe the biggest cultural shift that's powering the, the increase in demand for employer branding I perceive that to be that that challenge we talked about early on, where it's the cultural shift is now it's an employee movement and it's an employee movement that is created by employees who see themselves as people and consumers, not as I'm this Eric over here and I'm this Eric when I'm at work. Yeah. Uh, was it necessity is the mother of all invention or innovation? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're so right about the current movement. But I also am going to speculate that the economic turmoil that we're experiencing now, and, and I have just one data point from uh, 60 episodes I've done. 
I can tell you somewhere on 12, 13% of the guests I've had on have lost their jobs. So that's, that's just one data point, how in my little micro world, I can see the impact of the economic conditions that are currently taking place. And as we look at organizations going through rounds of layoffs, I think the employer brand and, and how they communicate with their, how they market, how they, how they just handle the, the employee relationship is going to be more important than ever because those who stayed are now going to have a very different view of the organization. Um, so listen, Eric, I, I could go on with you for hours, quite literally, uh, hours and hours. Maybe this should be a day where we just, you know, do like a Joe Rogan style for, you know, two to five <laughs> hours or whatever, four hours that he does and just, just hang out in, in person. But, uh, what advice, like so these are innovators in the community, they're champions inside their organizations, mostly who are, you know, fighting the good fight and, and many of them are getting good traction. I will say that. Mm -hmm. Spoke to a, another CMO yesterday that's about to bring on a new resource dedicated fully to the internal marketing, and I've met a few of them already. So what advice would you give them as they continue their, their journey? I would start with a just a quick comparison um, to take a look at the spend on gaining and keeping customers. Then compare that to the spend at your organization on gaining and keeping talent. Um, and I, exactly, you're going to see it as incredibly lopsided. And that, that difference is going to be the definition of the hill that you are climbing. Now, if you're, if you're up for it, right? And I, I think this is a, a time in which people, human beings, are going to reward you for being up for that challenge. Um, and if you are up for it, you just have to recognize how steep it is and remind yourself that this is soil work. This is not, this is not work in which you see it bear fruit immediately. This is, you amend the soil, you treat the soil, plant the seeds you you know i mean this is it takes patience and it takes maintenance and it takes just one step at a time one foot in front of the other but what we do see is that for the companies that are enlightened enough and are patient enough to see it bear fruit the fruit it bears is huge it's delicious and it works and it's um it's something that pays dividends if you are willing to climb that hill and take your time to get it right. So for all of you listening, go get that delicious fruit, you know, <laughs> exactly. Be, be patient. Eric, just a huge thank you. I know, I know you're crazy busy. Got a lot going on. Just appreciate you taking the time. I'm glad you joined the community. I look forward to publishing the episode. And for you all, Eric is, is open for questions and, and conversations within the community. So once I publish it, Go ahead and uh, give him a shout out and uh, Eric will respond. Wonderful. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate you having me on. Wonderful. Over and out.